Hi, this is Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 44 of The Life of David Brainerd by Jonathan Edwards. March 24. Numbered the Indians to see how many souls God had gathered together here since my coming into these parts and found there were now about 130 persons together, old and young. Several of those who are my stated hearers, perhaps to the number of 15 or 20, were absent at this season. If all had been together, the number would now have been very considerable, especially considering how few were together at my first coming into this part of the country, the whole number not amounting to ten persons at that time. My people went out this day with the design of clearing some of their land, about fifteen miles distant from this settlement, in order to their settling there in a compact form, where they might be under the advantages of attending the public worship of God, of having their children taught in a school, and at the same time have a conveniency for planting. Their land, in the place of our present residence, being of little or no value for that purpose. The design of their settling thus in a body and cultivating their lands, of which they have done very little in their pagan state, being of such necessity and importance to their religious interest as well as worldly comfort, I thought it proper to call them together and show them the duty of laboring with faithfulness and industry, and that they must not now be slothful in business as they had ever been in their pagan state. I endeavored to press the importance of their being laborious, diligent, and vigorous in the prosecution of their business, especially at the present juncture the season of planting being now near, in order to their being in a capacity of living together and enjoying the means of grace and instruction. Having given them directions for their work, which they very much wanted, as well as for their behavior in diverse respects, I explained, sang, and endeavored to inculcate upon them Dr. Watts' psalm, if God to build the house deny, etc. And having recommended them and the design of their going forth to God by prayer with them, I dismissed them to their business. In the evening, read and expounded to those of my people who were yet at home and to the strangers newly come, the substance of the third chapter of the Acts. Numbers seem to melt under the word, especially when I was discoursing upon verse 19, Repent ye, therefore, and be converted, etc. Several of the strangers also were affected when I asked them afterward whether they did not now feel that their hearts were wicked, as I had taught them. One of them replied, Yes, she felt it now. Although before she came here, upon hearing that I taught the Indians that their hearts were all bad by nature 
and needed to be changed and made good by the power of God, she had said. Her heart was not wicked, and she had never done anything that was bad in her life. This indeed seems to be the case with them. I think universally, in their pagan state, they seem to have no consciousness of sin and guilt, unless they can charge themselves with some gross acts of sin contrary to the commands of the second table. March 27. Discoursed to a number of my people in one of their houses in a more private manner. Inquired particularly into their spiritual states in order to see what impressions they were under. Laid before them the marks of a regenerate as well as of an unregenerate state, and endeavored to suit and direct my discourse to them severally, according as I apprehended their states to be. There were a considerable number gathered together before I finished my discourse, and several seemed much affected while I was urging the necessity and infinite importance of getting into a renewed state. I find particular and close dealing with souls in private is often very successful. March 29. In the evening, catechized, as usual, upon Saturday. Treated upon the benefits which believers receive from Christ at death. The questions were answered with great readiness and propriety, and those who I have reason to think are the dear people of God, were in general sweetly melted. There appeared such a liveliness and vigor in their attendance upon the word of God, and such eagerness to be made partakers of the benefits mentioned, that they seemed not only to be looking for, but hasting to, the coming of the day of God. Divine truths seemed to distill upon the audience with a gentle but melting efficacy, as the refreshing showers upon the new-mown grass. The assembly in general, as well as those who appear truly religious, were affected with some brief accounts of the blessedness of the godly at death, and most of them then discovered an affectionate inclination to cry, Let me die the death of the righteous, and let my last end be like his. Although many were not duly engaged to obtain the change of heart that is necessary to that blessed end. Lord's Day, March 30. Discoursed from Matthew 25, 31 to 40. There was a considerable moving and affectionate melting in the assembly. I hope that there were some real, deep, and abiding impressions of divine things made upon the minds of many. There was one aged man, newly come among us, who appeared to be considerably awakened, that never was touched with any concern for his soul before, in the evening catechized. There was not that tenderness and melting engagement among God's people, which appeared the evening before and many other times, They answered the questions distinctly and well and were devout and attentive in divine service. 
March 31. Called my people together, as I had done the Monday evening before, and discoursed to them again on the necessity and importance of laboring industriously in order to their living together and enjoying the means of grace, etc. Having engaged in a solemn prayer to God among them for a blessing upon their attempts, I dismissed them to their work. Numbers of them, both men and women, seemed to offer themselves willingly to this service, and some appeared affectionately concerned that God might go with them and begin their little town for them, that by his blessing it might be a place comfortable for them and theirs, with regard both to procuring the necessaries of life and to attending on the worship of God. April 5. Catechized in the evening. There appeared to be some affection and fervent engagement in divine service through the assembly in general, especially toward the conclusion of my discourse. After public worship, a number of those who I have reason to think are truly religious came to my house and seemed eager for some farther entertainment upon divine things. While I was conversing with them about their scriptural exercises, observing to them that God's work in the hearts of all his children was, for substance, the same, and that their trials and temptations were also alike, and showing the obligations such were under to love one another in a peculiar manner, they seemed to be melted into tenderness and affection toward each other. I thought that the particular token of their being the disciples of Christ, viz. of their having love one toward another, had scarcely ever appeared more evident than at this time. Lord's Day, April 6, preached from Matthew seven twenty-one to 23 there were considerable effects of the word visible in the audience and such as were very desirable as earnest attention, a great solemnity, many tears and heavy sighs, which were modestly suppressed in a considerable measure and appeared unaffected and without any indecent commotion of the passions. Numbers of the religious people were put upon serious and close examination of their spiritual state by hearing that not everyone that saith to Christ, Lord, Lord, shall enter into his kingdom. Some expressed fears, lest they had deceived themselves and taken up a false hope because they found they had done so little of the will of his Father who is in heaven. There was one man brought under a very great and pressing concern for his soul, which appeared more especially after his retirement from public worship. That which he says gave him his great uneasiness was not so much any particular sin as that he had never done the will of God at all, but had sinned continually and so had no claim to the kingdom of heaven. In the afternoon, I opened to them the discipline of Christ in his church 
and the method in which offenders are to be dealt with, at which time the religious people were much affected, especially when they heard that the offender, continuing obstinate, must finally be esteemed and treated as an heathen man, as a pagan, who has no part nor lot among God's visible people. Of this, they seem to have the most awful apprehensions. A state of heathenism out of which they were so lately brought, appearing very dreadful to them. After public worship, I visited several houses to see how they spent the remainder of the Sabbath and to treat with them solemnly on the great concerns of their souls. The Lord seemed to smile upon my private endeavors and to make these particular and personal addresses more effectual upon some than my public discourses. April 7, Discourse to my people in the evening from 1 Corinthians 11, 23-26. Endeavored to open to them the institution, nature, and ends of the Lord's Supper, as well as of the qualifications and preparations necessary to the right participation of that ordinance. Numbers appeared much affected with the love of Christ manifested in his making this provision for the comfort of his people at a season when himself was just entering upon his sharpest sufferings. This concludes episode 44 of Jonathan Edwards' The Life of David Brainerd. 